Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Hey, what's up, Pelicans fans? Welcome to the Bird Rights. My name is Preston Ellis, and I'm the host for the new home to all things Pelicans on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Follow us at the Bird Rights and get all the latest on your Pelicans at thebirdrights.com. Welcome to the Bird Calls Podcast. This is SB Nation's dedicated pod to thebirdrights.com. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we are recapping the Kings matchup and more with Locked On Pels and former Pelican debriefer. What's up, Rory Calais? How much? How are you guys doing today? So good, man. Did I say your name right? That is right. Yeah, Calais. Yeah, most people mispronounce that, so Max, that's actually pretty impressive. Yeah, there you go. Well, I've been calling my editor, Ali Cosell, Ali Cosell. For- Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell and Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. About four months now, so now I make sure to ask at the beginning of every podcast if I'm getting <laughs> people's names correct. Uh, just for right. the listeners, uh, Rory's an old buddy of mine from Pelican Debrief and also spends his nights as lead guitarist for Box and the Hound, who is also responsible for Jake Madison's wonderful intro on Locked on Pels, as he was just telling us. And... Um, you guys can follow him, by the way, at Rory underscore Calais. And Rory, what I really wanted to get to uh, at the beginning of this pod is how awesome is your last name? Do you get a lot of compliments? <laughs> um, yes and no. Uh, around here, it's a, um, it's a Cajun last name. So not so much in New Orleans exactly, but certain parts of Louisiana, it might have, that name might as well be Smith. You know, like it's just um, – it's so it's not super uncommon as around here, though in the city you don't see it quite as much. Whenever I think or of Calais, for being from France or anything like that, uh, I think maybe you know ancient ancestors a couple centuries ago, but they've been they've been in South Louisiana for a while now. That was yeah, so I, I, I remember being in France a couple times, and I remember hearing it's actually a town up somewhere in northern France. 
suppositories. It is, yeah. They do one L, we do two. Um, my guess is whenever okay. you know, whenever the first ones came in and they were writing their name down, uh, you know, probably whoever wrote it down put two L's instead of one, and here we are. You know. Yeah, I was awesome. actually going to say the the Three Musketeers, the Disney movie with Keith Sutherland and Tim Curry and uh, Charlie Sheen and Chris O'Donnell. They're they're trying uh, so forcefully to get to the port city of Calais, which is where the spy is trying to send some message that's going to get to the duke of buckingham or whatever that's the only place i've ever heard of calais before so thank you for that flashback and we haven't even introduced our editor-in-chief yet ali cosell uh thanks for being here and bringing credibility to the to the pod as always boss oh hush preston you know i love doing this and you're just as smart as i am oh get out of here uh your takes are always spot on great analysis all the time uh, always happy to, i always feel a bit more comfortable with you in the in the passenger seat so let's do this rory you're the you're the man of the moment right now your first story debuts at lockedonpels.com tomorrow and uh start us off by telling our listeners a bit about what you're writing okay yeah it's uh it'll be up thursday morning um but it is about i'm kind of looking at it from the sense of uh, the sh- like a strength and weakness, two sides of the same coin. Uh, the analogy I use is X-Men. Like, Xavier is the most powerful mind in the world, but he's he can't walk. So if, looking at it through that lens, I look at DeMarcus, and, um, and his greatest strength and his greatest weakness is his passion. And his passion leads to these, like, inspired bas- basketball moments and a bunch of off-court stuff. But the weak side is that he tends to get in foul trouble early he picks up texts a lot so it's exploring uh the ramifications of you know, with the small sample size we have of uh you know how that affects games when he's you know playing fewer minutes because he's getting into foul trouble early in the first half I'm so glad you're you're throwing this into a language that a bunch of nerds like Ali and I can actually understand. <laughs> uh, whenever I, I had a, a guest that was going to be after Rory, and I was telling my wife, I was like, oh, man, I, I lost this great guest, and now I have all these questions. And she said, well, why don't you just ask me basketball questions, and I'll tell you what I think that they mean. And I just thought, like, oh, my gosh, this is such a fun activity to, to compare DeMarcus Cousins to a Marvel character or to an everyday man right. who might not be so big on basketball. So that sounds awesome. Uh, Rory, before uh, before we move on, I just want to I just want to talk about the the Pelicans falling one hundred three to ninety three last night. Or, or Ali, did you have anything to say about that boogie article I cut off before you had any chance to talk? Nope, you're good. Let's okay, good. Going. Let's move right along. The Pelicans fell 103-93 to uh, despite Boogie's tireless efforts, the other man of the hour. Uh, he scored 39-13-3, and three, three blocks, and he did have eight turnovers, but uh, he also played 39 minutes and had a very heavy load to carry, so we're not going to fault him for that uh, on this particular night. Uh, he had to shoulder most of the load after Anthony Davis re-aggravated uh, a left knee injury that apparently he had tweaked during warmups, according to Jen Hale, and he bumped his knee against Mo Harkless. His MRI revealed no structural damage, but uh, he left the game, did not return, and Adrian Wojnarowski listed him as day-to-day. Rory, before we we dive into this matchup, the Pels were 0-6 two years ago, 0-8 last year. Everyone has collectively stressed how important a fast start is. Uh, we've got the Cavaliers coming up on Saturday, and then we've got, you know, the Magic, the Wolves, the Mavericks, and Bulls. The schedule is not slowing us, uh, slowing down at any point. Can the Pelicans survive any time coming up without Anthony Davis? I, well, before we get to the Cleveland game, Sacramento game on Thursday, I think if there's any game that we would be okay, it's that one. And, um, 
face it, that's that's the boogie game. That's going to be the the big boogie coming out party game. And you know, as much as we all want to see a win by any means necessary, I don't think any of us were really thinking that was going to be a, a dominant AD performance. So I think that particular game, not that it it won't, of course it matters, but I think that's that's a very winnable game just because of the particular circumstances surrounding uh, this situation. Yeah, yeah definitely. let's be honest, Rory. Sacramento Kings, they're not a good basketball team. I've only been able to watch half of their basketball, and I don't know if you have, but, man, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say other than uh, Dave Yeager, uh, their coach over there, has got, you know, a whole lot of things to work out. Specifically, I saw he had the starters, and they were getting blown out, and I even forget to who now. It might have been the Suns, um, and they were down like 20 or so points early, and then he just, you know, did one of those hockey substitutions, took them all out, and ended up pretty much playing five reserves the rest of the game, and they actually made a game of it. So, yeah, they're, they're totally a work in art. Um, I'm not even sure if they have five legitimate starters. So, you're right. With Boogie alone, we should be able to beat that team. With that being said, uh, I talked to Leo BS of the Sacramento Kings uh, last night of um, Cowbell Kingdom, and he – you know, uh, expected the win or the loss before Anthony Davis was reported as out. But now that he's out, he talked a lot about how De'Aaron Fox is going to surprise us, how he's been uh, already tabbed as their best defender. He's lightning quick. And those lightning quick point guards are always the guys who uh, tend to skirt around Drew, Drew Holiday. And I'm thinking, of course, of John Wall. And that's the guy who Leo already is comparing him to. Now, he might be overblowing uh, things a bit, being a Sacramento fan himself. But uh, definitely don't want to take them lightly. And they still have Vince Carter who's been playing well. He said Zach Randolph's been a disaster. Anyway, I'm going too much into it. Uh, the point is just that how many minutes can we expect to get out of DeMarcus Cousins? We don't have a viable third big. You know, I'm all over the place. So let's let's just start with last night's matchup. Um, the Pels triumvirate of guards actually did a, a pretty good job on the Blazers' backcourt. I'm referring to Etwan Moore, Ian Clark, and Drew Holiday. Uh, limited them to 36 combined points on 10 of 31 shooting. However, the, the main takeaway, as I was just alluding to, was uh, how we're short at backup big. Check Diallo saw his his first extended action in not even 13 minutes. Uh, he was an even, I think, negative 13 positive minus and, and looked a bit overwhelmed at times. We talked this offseason about how important it was to find a backup big after Donatus Monte Yunus decided to take his talents overseas and, and Agenza suffered a right knee injury that will take uh, him to the same timeline of recovery pretty much as Rondo. Rory? Break down your biggest takeaways from last night's matchup, and then we'll get into personal performances a little bit, and then we'll transition back to the Kings. Um, definitely, you pretty much nailed it right there. The the We are very, very thin in our big man rotation, so anything happens to either Boogie or Davis. And that's sort of what I get at in my piece, too, is that you know this offense is very much built to have them on the court together. They're staggered a bit, but they're clearly meant to – you know, everything's sort of structured around both these guys being on the court at the same time. So if you lose either one of them, just from that perspective, just how the offense is supposed to run, you take a hit. And that's not even getting into the fact of who's next. Cunningham's playing about half his minutes at the three right now. So that's, that's a bit of a Band-Aid to slide him over, but that's not a long-term solution by any stretch. So, yeah, definitely the story is the, the lack of big man rotation. And also I'm curious to just see as Nelson – Jameer Nelson gets further and further kind of integrated into the system, um, what he will bring. And I feel like having a guy like that uh, helps open up the offense and 
clearly meant to have that Rondo Nelson kind of quarterback role. So I think having that opens up everyone else. We just need to hope that guys, your Arian Clarkson all kind of keep up there, you know, get some scoring opportunities and, and finish. Ali, I wrote your, uh, or I read your recap this morning. Uh, forgive me. Why don't you talk about some of your biggest take- takeaways from last night's game? Yeah. Besides individual uh, players and rotations, as Rory mentioned, I'm looking straight at turnovers and rebounds. Um, the Pelicans for the last couple of years on the gentry have been one of the better, uh, more effective, I should say, offenses as to where they, they really had a low turnover percentage. But this year, I think they're in the bottom five so far through four games. And let's face it, rebounding-wise, they're, they've been atrocious. First couple games, they started off great, but mostly that was on um, the backs of their offensive rebounding and specifically Anthony Davis. But, wow, yesterday, I don't know how many balls that our guys hands on but somehow fumbled it. And, you know, the or excuse me, the Trailblazers would, would end up with the ball and, you know, start making second, third shot attempts. Uh, the Damon Lillard three, I remember specifically after both Diallo and Darius Miller went for the rebound. And I, I, I say that they went after the rebound. They really didn't. No, nobody actually jumped for the ball. Nobody tossed to one another. I got it. I got it. They just kind of sort of half collide in the air, bounced to a Portland Trailblazer who kicked it out to Damian Lillard, splashed the three. And that, that was just like a dagger, one of many on the night. So, yeah, for me, the main issue pressing our turnovers or rebounds, this team is just so disjointed right now. As to where they'll go through these stretches where nobody's like either running the offense correctly, getting into being in the correct positions defensively, you name it. Um, there's a lot of issues right now. But again, as I say this, the Pelicans did have a chance to win with two minutes to game. They were just down one, and they could have very easily taken the lead had Jermaine Nielsen made a layup or uh, Dante Cunningham would have followed up with a dunk. So, you know, there's like two, two I guess, two, two ways to look at everything. You see all these problems, but yet the Pelicans have honestly been in all their games so far. So despite the one and three record, you know, they could very easily be two and two. So, you know, I guess the biggest takeaway is that you honestly have, have to have some hope still. Uh, if they can turn it around in any of these areas, show some improvement, they should start winning some games. I honestly think with the schedule coming up, they're, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to get back to 500. Definitely. And Anthony Davis was, uh, as you said earlier, responsible for 17 rebounds per game before he left this game uh, five minutes in. And it kind of upset uh, some of the nice numbers that he was putting up. I think he was averaging somewhere around 32 and 17. So without those 17 rebounds, we talked to two guys from Blazers Edge, and they both said that the the Blazers are a team that is pretty proficient at offensive rebounding with some of their big guys like uh, Caleb Swanigan, who they predicted was going to play well, and he did show out well, as well as their other guys. And it kind of Uh, An offensive rebound by an opposing team kind of reminds me uh, in football, whenever you have some kind of long successful pass play or run play and it gets, and it gets called back by a holding penalty or something. It's just so frustrating every time it happens, especially with the the new 24 second shot clock, the, you know, the potential turnover leading to a team's second opportunity, uh, truly frustrating Uh, having Anthony Davis out of there and check Diallo. I remember from summer league, a great scorer, but not, not a proficient rebounder. And that was something that uh, Jamel McMillan was working on, on, on with him so uh so hard uh but again you guys are listening to the the bird well i wrote the name of our title wrong the bird rights on nothing but net radio we are discussing the pelicans 
with Rory Calais and Ali Cosell. Uh, let's let's talk a bit more about Boogie because he kind of carried the load. He's been remarkable as of late. Um, he's averaging 31 and 10 through four games, a large part of those numbers coming last night. Uh, Rory, are you surprised at how well these two have uh, kind of molded in together through four games? Actually, no. Uh, this was one, This is what I thought was one of the underreported aspects of the offseason. Uh, you know, it was easy to kind of get sidetracked on the, oh, we're not signing anybody or we're paying Drew Holiday too much or is Rondo a good fit? But all the while, these videos would pop up on Twitter of uh, AD and Boogie and working out together. Going, I think I remember on 4th of July they were doing shoot-arounds, like stuff like that. So I thought and, – and I think another underrated aspect is – the uh, just the fact that we got 18 games last year that was almost like a mulligan. I think we were all hoping they'd go to the playoffs, but it was almost kind of like a pre pre at the end of last season when you look at it that way. But I actually thought, you know, between the 18 games last year, a full off season together where they're both healthy, working out together, training camp, I kind of expected they'd figure it out, especially considering it's the most important part of the team is those guys meshing, and I think they did figure it out. Yeah, but Ali, not only have they figured it out, uh, DeMarcus Cousins through four games is at 40% shooting from the field. Anthony Davis is 53%, uh, and albeit on a small sample size, 45.5% from three. Are you surprised at not, not only the numbers that the guys are putting up, but how efficiently they're doing it? Nope, not at all. I think pretty much just the Pelicans fan base and Rui knew what was going on as to where Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, they, they just didn't have 17 games together. They had that whole offseason. They had that bond. And let's face it, these are the two all-NBA players. It's not going to take too long of a time for these guys to figure out how to play together where one knows the other's uh, best position on the floor, their favorite moves, et cetera. No, no. This, I mean, we've been, I don't know about you, Preston, but I, I could have sworn that myself, Kevin, others from the site have been preaching that uh, all through the preseason. That's one thing you do not have to worry about this team. These guys are going to take the bull by the horns, and they did. They did through three, three, and three games in a quarter, or not even a quarter, I guess. Poor Anthony Davis. Um, <laughs> we need him back, but you know what? I think DeMarcus Cousins, as he showed last night, is capable of those MVP type of caliber numbers. It's just going to be sustaining that performance around him. The Pelicans, I thought, did a great job in that late to close out that first half where they were getting some open shots, great ball movement, and they were hitting their threes um, or scoring in the lane. It just fizzled up and, and died in the fourth quarter. They made just five total field goals. Um, I think Drew Holiday was like one of five. And you could see that the part of it was they were tired. I think Boogie went four of eight from the free throw line. So, yeah, the, the guy was obviously gassed from having to try and make up for 80s minutes and a lack that or the fact that Cunningham and Diallo were not able to fill in adequately. Uh, I think that is honestly going to be the biggest issue going forward is can anybody give anything behind Cousins in the big man role? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans, after another game or two of this, if AD does need more time on the sidelines, uh, they might seek to sign somebody with that medical hardship or maybe a 10-day contract or something like that. So that's going to be something to watch.
Yeah, that's definitely something that they need already uh, with Anthony Davis going out. DeMarcus Cousins, as we said, played 39 minutes, and he's going to be asked to continue that against Sacramento uh, because, as we said, he's not getting much help. And, Rory, I have to I have to bring up Drew Holiday, and a lot of people are killing us on Twitter for being too hard on them, and I asked them to just listen to Michael McNamara on In the Know. We're actually we're big Drew Holiday fans, and we want the best for him, and we want him to bounce back. But we, we have to just say he's been the hottest topic all offseason, and the talk – talk hasn't stopped and it's just not just about the contract Rory through through four games he's averaged 11 points six rebounds and five assists on 34 percent from the floor uh from the field 19 percent from three to go along with three turnovers in 37 minutes per game last year pre-boogie he was playing really well uh, leading up to February 47 percent shooting eight assists four rebounds on 16 points 39 percent from three and post boogie we just saw all of his numbers significantly drop why can't Drew Holiday play with Boogie Cousins, Rory? Oh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I, I think it has more to. Man, that's a tough one. I would say the fact that they're moving them off ball kind of gives us a, a key here because they're, you know, a Boogie is much more. You know, we, when we hired Chris Finch, everyone was sort of going on the point boogie kind of thing we were excited that we were going to see more offense run through boogie davis isn't like that davis is super talented but he's not driving the offense like boogie is so i think it is a little bit of as weird as it sounds they on some level occupied the same space and i think once drew started to find success moved off ball then moving him back to point guard because of rondo's injury is just creating the whole same set of problems we saw at the end of last year. I'm obviously Holiday's performance is disappointing no matter what his contract is so far, but I am reserving full judgment until Rondo's back because this was just as everything was clearly meant to have Boogie and AD on the court at the same time, everything was kind of constructed to where you'd have a Rondo type figure beating Drew along with the, the, the two bigs. Ali, let me ask you this. If DeMarcus Cousins never becomes a New Orleans Pelican, are are we still seeing this Drew Holiday in transition to shooting guard? No, I don't think so. I mean, you got to look at what he did previously, and he's been eight years in the league, and he's been a lot more aggressive, a lot more confident outside of last year, parts of last year. Uh, this year, he, he, his usage rate isn't even at 20%. Um, he hasn't been that low since his rookie season. As you've mentioned, his shooting numbers are just horrific. Uh, it's only been four games, but the guy just doesn't look confident on a lot of shots. I don't, know, I don't know. If you guys have watched a lot of Holiday over the years, you should know when he's been going good and when he's been going bad. And right now, he's looking really bad out there. Um, so, therefore, I don't think it has anything to do with his role. I mean, I've been preaching this. I think it's just simply a confidence issue. And, and well, I take that back. I do think the reason it's it's not part of his role is because I think he can play literally any position on the floor where it does maybe make some sense to argue. He suddenly has too much on his shoulders, thereby kind of affecting his role is the fact that the team now needs him. And last year he kind of failed when he was asked to, you know, be in the limelight. And he thought maybe this year he probably could have stayed hidden behind AD Boogie and Rondo, but that's not the case anymore. Two of those guys are out. Um, he, he needed to step up big time last night. I thought it was a golden opportunity, and he had his moments. But I don't know. This is not a guy that you pay $26 million. There's no way to sugarcoat it. I mean, Pelicans demand and need more. 
Uh, Rory, I guess my next question is, uh, first of all, how how do we fix what's going wrong with Drew Holiday? And how many of these games before we start relegating him to six man? Oh, um, I know, because the obvious, I think, I, I want to see just more of him next to Nelson. Uh, not that Nelson's a direct Rondo replacement, but I think he's a Band-Aid, and I think he could, you know, if Drew's not going to be the main ball-handling guard with Boogie Cousins in, in this scenario, um, then we need to kind of settle for the next best thing until Rondo's back, uh, and that that is not Ethan Moore or Ian Clark right now. So I think maybe sliding him next to Nelson for a little bit more. As far as how long before this becomes really becomes a problem, uh, I mean, I think if we start looking at a similar, oh, God forbid we see a similar start that we saw the last two years with the 0-8, 1-9, uh, that would probably be, be a pretty good time. So, um, But let's hope we don't get there. You know, Ali, uh, I'm trying to bring up the numbers, but with my new microphone, if I so much as like shift my butt on my seat, it, it just picks up all this feedback. So I'm just doing this based <laughs> off memory. But two years ago, whenever we were, uh, whenever we had Drew Holiday on a minutes restriction, that's pretty much the most confident we've ever seen him in a Pelicans uniform. Uh, we were keeping him at somewhere around 25 minutes per game. He was regularly putting up 20 points a game off the bench. And in some of the games this year, we've even seen him come out hot in the first quarter and then kind of fade as the game goes on. What what strategy would you utilize to see first quarter Drew Holiday throughout the game? Would you give him fewer minutes? Would you bring him off the bench, let him go against some of the, the second unit guys to build up some confidence? What would your strategy be? I think the last thing you do is shift him to the bench. That's just the biggest red flag in the world to a player because that means your coach has lost confidence in you. And that's the last thing that Alvin Gentry, the coaching staff, needs or wants at this moment. They need Drew Holiday. The only thing you can keep doing, Preston, is honestly trying to feed him the ball, trying to get him to go or get going early, um, have the players keep tapping him on the butt. You know, something has got to click for him. All you can do is keep giving him opportunities. Hopefully something gets, you know, just gets him motivated as to where he just blocks everything out and any kind of worries that is if he's having anything, any kind of those kind of performance issues on the court. Um, but one thing I suggested on a radio show the other day, was I would, if I'm the Pelicans, I would honestly consider maybe, you know, honestly looking and getting him a psychologist. Um, honestly, at this point, you've got to try anything and everything. And I've heard players have turned to these doctors plenty of times, like, for instance, Anthony Davis did it over the summer just to help him with leadership. Uh, they just, the Pelicans brought in somebody from the outside, and supposedly he worked with AD on a lot of leadership stuff. Why can't we do the same thing with uh, Holiday? Why can't somebody just work with him if they're not already? We don't know really if that's, I mean, what's, what's going on behind the scenes. But if it's not, I would try it. Uh, they've got to try something. But the thing is, Preston, they've got to keep throwing them out there. They've got to hope that something clicks. And we see that guy from two years ago that had a 20 per, uh, was basically taking the offense on his shoulders and performing well. Um, I'm so glad you brought it up. Oh, sorry. Get in there, Rory. Oh, no, I, I was going to kind of piggyback off of that. I, I I think that's probably not a bad idea because, I mean, if we remember, you know, why Drew wasn't there to start the year last year, that that's a tough thing, and we don't know the situation where that is now, but that's a really hard thing for anyone to focus on in the moment, and it might not be the necessarily the easiest thing to just go and bounce back from either. So it, thank God everything seems to have worked out okay, but just the mental kind of ramifications of going through something like that, you know, we can't just sweep that under a rug either. 
Yeah, definitely. We're referring to his wife. And we want to tread carefully here, obviously. Um, you know, no personal information. We never want to take any sure. attacks on anybody's person on, on this program. With that being said, True Holiday's wife, Lauren Holiday, was diagnosed with brain uh, cancer while their, their child was, you know, while she was still six months pregnant. And they had to wait until the child was born before she could have the surgery. Um, and by all accounts this summer, from most of what I read, she's she's healthier than she's ever been. She's feeling great. The kid is healthy. So uh, definitely best wishes to them. I remember last year we were breaking down his free throw percentage. It was the lowest it was in his career. And so much of what we always say about basketball players is uh, when, you're, when your mental game drops, your free throws are going to drop. That's one of the first signs is the, is the shooting, especially there where it is just, you know, repetition and routine. But uh, he, he is shooting better uh, through four games, albeit on another very small sample size. He's at 85%. So uh, best wishes to all of them. And I definitely I definitely liken that idea. Like we could all talk to somebody. I'll, sometimes Ollie and I will just sit on Twitter <laughs> late at night and just talk about our problems. So hopefully he is getting the help and care he needs because um, – for selfish reasons, as New Orleans Pelicans fans, we definitely are going to need him, especially in, in spots where we lose Anthony Davis. Last year was the most we've had him through 75 games, but I think a dozen of those games he left in the middle of the game for a precautionary reason. So we're definitely going to need him to come up big because, and Rory, I'm going to transition now to the rest of our role players who haven't done much better. Our third leading scorer <laughs> in that Blazers game was 10. Dante Cunningham had a magnificent negative 19 positive minus, uh, gave us a donut offensively with five rebounds in 27 minutes of action. Darius Miller had five points. Etwan Moore had eight. Uh, as I mentioned, Jameer Nelson uh, was the third leading scorer with 10% on 33% from the floor. Um, after the matchups with, with Golden State and Memphis, the story was that the Pelicans' lack of a decision maker, a floor general, now as we've discussed, Jameer Nelson uh, is there, and yet the role players are still struggling. Is this just fatigue from a from a long west coast trip what what is it going to take to get more production from the pelicans depth chart rory uh i mean i feel like uh, well we all and i'm guilty i'm as guilty of as anyone else we we see a guy we look up the youtube clips we look at the stat lines we convince ourselves that you know you know this is some all-star we're getting is great and that's not always the case with reality or doesn't always translate into actual game production i do think my my big like i'm gonna go down with this ship guy is ian clark i think it's i think he is going to blossom eventually i you know new team new surroundings similar role as before obviously behind very different players than what he was with the golden state but i think he's a very smart capable player and he will get there with him i think it's just a new system thing and getting familiar and getting integrated. Uh, as far as Etwan Moore, I, I kind of it, – it's the same issue as last year in that injury is making uh, – is forcing us to ask more of him than is necessary or than he sh should be asked. I mean, he is a guy who gets you 10 a night, you know, 10 points a night, a couple of assists, a couple of rebounds over 25 minutes. That's, that's just who he is. And when we signed him, that's what we needed. And circumstances changed what we needed. So I think it's more – stretching thin someone who or rather thrusting him into a role that was never suited for him to begin with. 
Yeah, we're definitely going to need production from somebody. Michael McNamara has been praising Ian Clark. Uh, he and Ali even had a, a little Twitter dispute where I think Ali said uh, some kind of compliment about Ian and Michael said that uh, he had been uh, calling it from the beginning and he's the reason that Ian Clark was in New Orleans or something. It was a, it was a funny exchange. And even Joel Myers. Well, it's awfully convenient for Michael to take credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> even Joel Myers on the Lakers broadcast said, get this guy more minutes. Ali, what's your take on Ian Clark and uh, getting produ- production from the rest of this bench yeah first of all i love rory i mean anybody loves Ian clark is good by me ever since we signed clark he's been you know the guy i've been uh touting off the bench off the reserves so this isn't none of this has surprised me in fact I, I wish he was a little bit more selfish um he you know looking over the box score last night what bothered me the most is he just didn't look for a shot as much Coming down the stretch, it was all either DeMarcus or Holiday or even Jameer Nelson, and uh, none of those guys were on. So we needed somebody else to get a little more selfish, and I think Clark has just got to develop that mentality. I think he offers the best chance for the Pelicans to be a really good team when they're healthy. Uh, He can be that sixth man off the bench, throw in 15, 16, 17 points in about 22 minutes. Um, And and the best part about him that I didn't really – pay attention to with the Warriors. In fact, this guy does not make any stupid turnovers. He, he drops a couple of nice dimes, but you won't see him turn it over. If I remember right, I think he's even got the lowest turnover percentage on the team currently. So that's actually nice. You want a guy like that on the floor late, especially with the Pelicans struggling to run any kind of offense, um, and they're suffering from too many turnovers. Yeah, I'm with Joel Myers. I think Ian Clark should be seeing a minimum of, of 30 minutes, and that's whether he starts or not. Coming off the bench, and uh, Alvin Gentry's got to find him those minutes. But if getting or moving on past Clark, I'm not too excited about the rest of the bench, to be honest with you. Um, Jameer Nelson is going to move into the starting lineup, and I would assume maybe as soon as this next game tomorrow against the Kings. Um, each one more, as Rory nailed it for me, is just that guy that's a plug-in, seventh, eighth-man type who'll give you some decent defense, some decent effort, and some decent plays. But you can't – I mean – I think it was the other night, Joe Myers um, stated that he scored 19 points, and that's like the third highest amount he's ever scored. I mean, that, that was kind of a shocker to me. So, Etuan Moore is obviously not a guy that can have that freakish game uh, because he hasn't. So, you can't count on too much from him. And then beyond him, whew, it gets scary. Tony Allen still doesn't seem like he's got his legs or hasn't fit in the rotation. His effort's outstanding, but he he's just like, like that square peg trying to get in that round hole out there. He's, he's, he had a couple of nice plays on the block last night where it was kind of funny to watch the Pelicans go to him uh, on the post or in the post. But, again, everything else was kind of, you know, where does this guy fit? How does he make the offense keep rolling? And then shoot Diallo is kind of a mess. Uh, Darius Miller, I wish I could say I still have hope that he's going to eventually come around, but I don't concern. You have to almost factor in what we saw from him during his first stint. Um, and then Cunningham, who should be a reserve as a starter. So the Pelicans role players are really role players. That there are guys that are seventh, eighth on down, you know, tenth, eleventh men off the bench. And you can't rely on these guys. You just have to hope that enough of these guys have decent depositively good games uh to give some support to the stars to win the game. Um and with us being down so many men, I'm just not seeing it. That I mean, that that's a, that's a problem. That's why Demarcus is launching so many shots. Um, 
getting into so much foul trouble, not foul trouble, but getting into so many turnovers and stuff. This guy's just taking up on his shoulders because on next to him, there's no Davis. Suddenly, Holiday's been struggling out of the gate. It doesn't look good, Preston. I mean, I hate to paint a dismal picture, but nobody has take, grabbed the bull by the horns other than Ian Clark. Again, you guys are listening to the Bird Rides on Nothing But Net uh, Radio. We are discussing the Pelicans with Rory Calais and Ali Cosell. Uh, a quick question. Rory, do you have uh, time for some more questions? Uh, yeah, I could do a couple more. Okay, let's do a couple more. Uh, first of all, a uh, quick one. After what you saw from Czech Diallo, do you do you want him on the bench watching the next couple of games, getting a couple of spot minutes, or do you feel like it could be advantageous to spend some more time in the G League? Uh, I'm, I definitely think some, some more G league minutes would be beneficial to him. Uh, unfortunately, just the rotation is as it is. I don't, I'm not sure if that's even an option for us right now. Um, yeah. you, you know, so, I mean, that's, I, I've, I definitely think, I mean, like, and he's also, is he 20 yet? I know, I can't remember exactly how old he was when we drafted him, but the whole, you know, the whole idea was that they were kind of sort of pitching it as this year's first round pick because of the, you know, just sort of circumstances when we drafted him. So, but he's very raw. People forget like, yes, he's having a good, he had a good year last year. He had a great summer league, but he's still very, very raw. And to put him up against NBA level talent, it's not going to go well right now, especially in circumstances where there's the pressure of, we need him to perform to win the game, not garbage time minutes, or let's give him you know, three, four minutes off the bench here and there, see what happens kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love to see him go back to G League or uh, ideally we'd be in game situations where we don't need him to perform at a high level. Otherwise, the whole ship sinks. Ali, but, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no I'm sorry. You have a finishing up ahead. Uh, Ali, uh, he's only been playing basketball for about four years. Uh, he came from overseas and uh, it just it just seems like he's lacking an overall awareness. And why while we do need a body in that position um, and the two weight contracts are taken up by Charles Cook and uh, Jalen Jones. What what is your solution for this this trouble spot at the three right or uh, at the four or in five backup uh, third guy, I should say. Yeah, as I alluded to earlier, it'd be nice if the Pelicans maybe bring somebody in on that hardship that they should be granted uh, or be able to receive from the NBA any day now. Um, you know, they've got to keep their own Diallo in the meantime out there. I mean, like if Alexei Jensen's unable to go and Ashik's definitely out, maybe even for the entire season, you've got to keep their own Diallo out there and hope that something clicks. Um, really, the biggest thing that bothered me the most about his game yesterday was just the fouls and the three-second calls. He just, as you mentioned, Preston, the awareness isn't there. But if he's given some shorter stints, uh, maybe maybe he'll, he'll figure some things out because this guy definitely tries. I've seen him in practice. I've seen him work with the coaches afterwards, looking at video, you name it. Maybe something will click there. Um, and I, the Pelicans have no other choice right now. They've got to keep throwing him out there. Um, he's probably going to see another 15 minutes or so against the Kings. Just got to pray, pray. That it starts, you know, it starts clicking for him. Something starts starts working as to where he realizes what positions he needs to be on on the floor. All right, Rory, I'm going to get you out on this one. Uh, we've got to take some positives. We've we've gone pretty dark, and we're one and three in three losses that we all expected. Is that right, Ollie? Yeah. 
Yeah, we expected those losses. So one and three. Uh, the Pels looked to be all all but done in the first after AD exited uh, five minutes in, as we discussed. Uh, I think the Blazers went into an 11-0 run immediately after. However, the Pelicans uh, fought back. They led by one at halftime, two at the end of the third for that Blazers 13-2 uh, run to start the fourth, but uh, still climbed back to within one, I think, something like twice in the, in the final four minutes. Uh, they're not giving up Rory is the point. And the schedule is going to begin uh, lightening up. Uh, like, as we mentioned, the Kings match up tomorrow night and then the Cavs on Saturday. Then we've got the, the, the Magic, the Mavericks, the Wolves, the Bulls. Talk about how encouraged you were at this team's, team's grit. And uh, even with the absence of Anthony Davis, just, just the fight that these guys still have. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's one thing... Uh, we didn't get into this part, but I'm I'm could tend to be a Dell Dems critic from time to, from time to time, as a lot of fans are. And um, one thing though that he absolutely is good at doing is the locker room culture he built over the last three four years. And you definitely have quality guys in there who are going to give it all, give it their all every play, and not give up. And that's the thing with all these games. We, despite what the final score is, sometimes just sort of the way it unfolds in the last. 30 seconds we're not getting really getting blown out um yeah the you know team will swallow a lead we come back you know but we're not getting destroyed by anybody and so there's a couple instances where things just sort of go go our way differently and then might be a different outcome even last night in the last two minutes Cunningham misses that dunk and then they go back on the other end and get a three-point play I think uh I want to say Lillard was fouled behind a three-line I want to trying to remember if I remember the order correctly here, but um, you know, if, if that dunk goes in and then they're not going back with a fast break on the other end and he needs to get fouled, you know, all of a sudden that's a five point differential. So little things like that give me encouragement that we're not totally off base here. We're not totally off the path we need to be on. All right. Thank you so much to Rory. Again, follow him at Rory underscore Calais. That's C-A-L-L-A-I-S. His first article with LockedOnPels.com debuts tomorrow discussing DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, good luck to you, sir. Uh, we're not wrapping up the pod, but we are wrapping up with Rory. And we'll keep in touch. We'd love to have you on again soon. Okay. And uh, Preston, I wanted to tell you congratulations on the recent wedding again. Thanks, man. That's so sweet. Yeah. I really appreciate that. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Well. Uh, thank you so much, man. That that really means a yeah. lot. Um, sorry, go. Uh, Rory, get out of here. Thank you, man. We'll have you again tomorrow. Make sure everybody checks out his article in the morning. Congratulations on, on joining the new site. We'll talk to you soon. And we're going to keep things going with Ali. I want you to piggyback right on what Rory was talking about. Talk about your, your feelings going out of the game. Not, not thinking about the miscues, the misrebounds, the bad fouls. Thinking about just how energetic the team was and, and how they continued fighting, even in the absence of their superstar. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad Rory finished off with that that statement because that's exactly how I felt. I tweeted out, you know, minutes from the end of the game that no matter what, win or lose, I'm very proud of the effort. Now that is something you can't take away. These guys have battled. Um, and despite all the negativity, and you're right, we got too dark. It's so funny how that happens. I don't mean to get that dark when I'm talking about every individual player because they do bring positives, but it's just not enough positives is I guess what we're – focusing in on because the team actually needs it right now uh they played a lot of good teams early and now anthony davis went out so it's like you need something extra and we haven't seen that extra from anybody other than our two superstars so but no to finish that game off um roy mentioned that it was just one or two plays away and he's right but, but i just wanted to quickly fix it or say that 
it was Nurkic who went up on the other end after Cunningham missed the dunk. He got fouled by Cousins, which um, the Pelicans broadcast team argued maybe it wasn't a push by Bogey. But anyways, Nurkic got to the line, made both free throws. Then on the next possession, Damian Little comes down, gets fouled, you know, and it was definitely a foul. I forget which Pelican him upside the head. Might have been Darius Miller, I'm not sure. And so obviously there's five freebies right there, game, set, match. Those are the type of plays that winning teams make, and we somehow have not been able to do that, Preston. Um, and that's why, again, I think we're darker than we should because we haven't seen that glimpse. Hopefully, and I think it will turn around. I thought this team was going to start off one and three, but then I said after 12 games they should be six and six. I'm looking at the, at the Kings. They've got to win that game. Uh, Cleveland, of course, yeah, we know. It's going to take something special to knock them off. But the Pelicans, for some reason, Preston have played them well at home here in New Orleans. So maybe there's a chance for an upset if AD is able to go. And then after that, you got to look. It's Magic, Timberwolves, uh, the Mavericks, the Bulls, and the Pacers. Uh, those are all pretty much winnable games outside of maybe the Timberwolves. But you know what? I, I saw a little bit of that game um, Minnesota played last night. You know what? They looked awful against the Pacers. I know Jimmy Butler didn't play, but wow. Thibodeau has not gotten through to them uh, about their defense. And you know what? Pat is still having issues. That's Carl Anthony Towns. So that could be a winnable game. And you know DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis can't wait to play Carl Anthony Towns. AD yearly destroys them. So that could, you know, be a win. So there's, again, we've, we've been gotten too sour, but it's easy to because of the the record and what we demanded from the players and none of them have stepped up. But you know what? I honestly think there's good things still ahead for this team in the near future. They're going to turn it around. And I expect at a minimum uh, by the time roughly around when Rajon Ronda is expected to be back, that they'll be right around 500. Again, How you about guys, you? What do you think? What do you uh, think? I want to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, Holly, nobody likes my takes. Uh, I love being the host, uh, but there is light at the end of the tunnel in the form of Trevor Ritchie. Is that you, Trevor? Yes, that is me. Oh, thank goodness. Just when things couldn't get any darker, our, our <laughs> shining knight in armor appears. Trevor uh, wanted to do recaps, and instead we're predicting the future at this point in the podcast. So I hope you can hang with us. Ali was just discussing how, despite how things have gotten dark recently, uh, and the Pelicans are 1-3, and 1-3 and three is exactly what we predicted a week ago, or Ali did rather. I predicted a 4-0 and start, and I can't believe it didn't work out. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at this point in time, we are where we thought we would be. And we've got a winnable game against Sacramento, uh, whether it be with or without Anthony Davis. Ollie said he still expects us to come out on top with the, you know, the DeMarcus Cousins revenge match. The crowd will be insane. I talked to Leo BS of uh, the Cowbell Kingdom yesterday, and everybody's pretty anxious for DeMarcus Cousins to come back into town. Even if the players have moved on, the fans certainly haven't. But after that matchup, we've got the Cavaliers at home. Ollie just said we always play them well. We've got the Orlando Magic at home, and God help us all if we don't win that game. And then where is my list? Then we've got the Wolves. Uh, Jimmy Butler was out the other night, and they played dreadfully against the Indiana Pacers. And Tom Thibodeau is still struggling to, to teach them how to play defense. And then we've got the Dallas Mavericks, who lost against the said Kings. And then we've got the Chicago Bulls, who are basically punching each other out of this season. Uh, so, Trevor, are the, are the Pelicans going to bounce back next week? Um, I think the key to bouncing back is going to be the play of Drew Holiday and Dante Cunningham. Uh, I think we're capable of, of, of coming back. Uh, you touched on the Kings game, which you would assume would be a win with or without Anthony Davis. Um, we definitely know what the uh, 
Cleveland Cavaliers have. And then you mentioned uh, the Orlando Magic. Let's not forget what they did to the Cavaliers, 114 to 93. I mean, they're, you know, you said, God save us all, but they're not, they're playing well right now. Um, but I think, like I said, that the key is going to be um, Drew and Dante. I mean, we can't forgive a Dante Cunningham that plays 27 minutes like he did last night and ends the game with zero points, zero of five from the field, and zero of two from three-point range. He did have five rebounds, but um, zero assists. I know that Drew scored 14 points last night, but um, he was he was aggressive early, which we need throughout an entire game for us to have better chances as of late. Um, he knocked down a three. He got to the line a time or two. But in moments like last night, which depending on the status of Anthony Davis could happen moving forward, it didn't really look like either of them wanted the ball. And you would expect Holiday to want the ball more. I feel like they both rode in the back seat last night when there was a front seat that was open once Davis left. Um, I feel like Drew's been significantly outplayed by Ian Clark and Etwan Moore. Uh, he was against the Lakers, maybe not Moore as much, but I feel like he's 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 been outplayed by Clark almost the entire season thus far. I understand that what we've seen is a sample size, but um, – the play in that manner is a bit frightening, and to bounce back, we're going to need more out of that department. Definitely. Again, you guys are listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net uh, Radio. We were talking with Ali Cosell and Rory Calais, but now we have a surprise appearance from Trevor Ritchie. Thank you so much for joining us, Trevor. Trevor, we talked about some of our role players needing to step up, talked about how well Ian Clark has been playing. Etwan Moore has been uh, variant, as Ryan Schwan likes to call him, 19 points uh, one game and zero points the next game. Uh, we have also been discussing the absence of a third big. Check Diallo just being a bit too green for those minutes. And Ali has uh, suggested the Pelicans utilize their hardship exception and go out and get a big man. Do you have your your eye on the landscape of free agency? Is there anyone in particular? Uh, for me, during the offseason, I thought, man, why are we letting uh, Donatas Montiunas and Terrence Jones go overseas? Like, certainly one of those guys would be nice just to, just to have around riding the end of the bench. Is there anyone in particular like a David Lee that you would hope the Pelicans would add? There's no one necessarily that I would hope. I, I, I mean, obviously, moving into to next season, it, it would be a lot easier to uh, scope out that landscape. I think it's going to be one of those guys we're just accustomed of, of, of learning about on the run. Um, I saw a question that was commented. I don't know if you guys touched it on. Um, it was a question about trades. Could we possibly trade for a big man? And uh, I think any possibility that we have for, for a trade right now uh, would be safe for a star and we'd have to unload draft picks and, and depending on what your definition of a, of a star is we could discuss that but uh we could use the exception we have right now for for size um cap space and and assets honestly are going to prevent any any other way to uh to do that there's no one that i have in mind Preston. i, I just feel like it's going to be the, the the same cycle and the same rotation that we've I'm accustomed to as far as just somebody you don't really know that well that you research and then you set an expectation for and we go through this dabble like uh like Darius Miller of a sort and um you know I, I was upset that Monte Yunus left I, I liked his play and I felt like he could have uh brought back something that it seems like we really need right now but uh to answer your question not not necessarily anyone uh in particular
Ali, the tweet he was referencing was from Daniel Freedom, and it was throw out some good trader signing ideas for quality backup big men, uh, Chandler O'Quinn. Uh, I'll, I'll throw this to you, Ali, and then we'll get our predictions for the next week, and then we'll wrap up. Is is there anybody out there? We've already discussed the hardship exception twice this podcast. Is there anybody in particular you uh, you hope the Pelicans target? Yeah, David Lee's an interesting name, but I would prefer maybe getting somebody that can stretch the floor a little more and kind of fit what they're trying to do here. Um, in New Orleans under Chris Finch's new um, offense. And that is, I would look hard at Derek Williams or possibly Matt Barnes. Both of those guys can play both forward positions. Um, Matt Barnes has made a history of being a tough defender who can spot up from three and uh, make his outside shot. But again, he's older, and I'm not sure if he's slowed down or not. Uh, He's not going to be the same athlete even just from two, three years ago. So. That's a question mark. But the other one is Derek Williams, who played with the Cavaliers last year. And he actually looked pretty good in his minutes. Um, It's hard to say what they would get because he's been completely inconsistent throughout his career. Obviously, that's why he's not on a team currently. But, you know, I guess what is it? The positives on him is he's a great athlete. He can score when he gets it going at times. Um, And I think those would be two useful things to try and throw out there off the bench athleticism and scoring ability considering the pelicans don't have that right now okay it's prediction time ollie um the pelicans have the kings tomorrow we're heading into it one and three then the Cavs at home the magic at home on monday followed by the wolves in minnesota at dallas and in chicago a three-game road trip after that that's five games where do you see us sitting at the end of those five after the next five games, I hope that the team is three and two. And I'm holding out hope if they get AD back uh, in time for the Cleveland game and he's all good to go. There's no limitations. Four and one. I honestly think that the loss should be the Cavaliers, but the other four, the Pelicans can win. If they can play what we've seen in the last four games um, on the schedule, because let's face it, Memphis and Golden State, although it wasn't close down the stretch, they were always within striking distance. And both of those teams, of um, we know what Golden State is, but Memphis has just been destroying teams this year. They they upset the Houston Rockets the other day. So I think we've got to realize that maybe they're a lot better than most people expect. And the fact that we hung tough with them until the final minutes, that, that that's a positive. So if we can get that kind of effort in these next five games, yeah, three and two, definitely, possibly, hopefully, maybe four and one. But I'm going to say three and two. What about you, Trevor? Ollie, I completely agree with you. I think we, uh, I think we're going to drop that Cavaliers game, um, considering the circumstances. I, I'm not sure even if Anthony Davis coming back would make a difference. Um, and I think the second game that we drop will be between the Orlando Magic or the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, those are both. Are those both home games? I, I believe those are both home games. But. Yeah. Um, I feel like one one of those two, uh, just with how shaky the start has been, is is will be a loss. But I mean, three and two right now, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna finish this off. I actually see the Pelicans losing to the Kings tomorrow without Anthony Davis, although he could come back and shock us all. But uh, just I I know, but I actually see light at the end of the tunnel uh, because we're gonna lose to them. We're gonna lose to the Cavs. Then we're going to win our next uh, three or three out of our next four. We're going to end up at four and uh, five, I think, or four and six. But uh, Trevor, we talked about this uh, back in July with Travis or August, whenever the schedule is announced. We always predicted a bumpy start to this uh, to this season. And it's interesting to hear all the players, you know, emphasize fast start, fast start, fast start. Well, you know, you do your best to come out to a fast start. But this really is a trouble 
awesome schedule uh, to begin the season. And we've long known that January and February is going to be the time when the Pelicans go on this run. And, and seemingly that's going to be when they have to climb out of the doldrums and into the playoff race. And uh, they're going to be able to definitely beat the Bulls, the Mavericks, uh, and the Magic, despite something big happening, just, and despite that that uh, game that the Magic gave to the Cavs. But um, the Wolves will be the interesting one if we can pull that upset. Then after that, we uh, we play the Pacers at home, and that's a very winnable game. So uh, definitely think that we come out of this a week and a half from now at 5-5, five and five, but things might get dark before we get there. So hang with us, Pelicans fans. I know that we can get a little bit dark at times, but we are proud to have two of the best, uh, at least 20 players in the world playing at uh, at least all NBA type levels. If if not putting up MVP type numbers already as Ali uh, long foresaw DeMarcus Cousins as uh, having some sort of MVP run going into the season. Let's close it out here. Uh, Trevor Ritchie, our late edition. Thank you so much for joining us. Go ahead and plug your Twitter handle and tell us what you've got uh, coming. You writing anything, doing any recaps? Um, I, I hope to be able to attend that um, Timberwolves game and provide some coverage for that. Um, you can follow me at Richie TMR. That's R-I-T-C-H-I-E-T-M-R on Twitter. And um, Preston, you you touched on um, us predicting before the season with Travis that it would already be a shaky start. One thing, shaky start. One thing I would just wanted to point out is that that was when everyone was healthy. So things things have gone downhill since predicting that it would be a shaky start. So it's, so it's kind of made it a, a harder battle than we already had. And uh, hopefully over this next week we'll be able to fight through it. Would you say that things have gone down Solomon Hill, Holly? I would say they went downhill Preston Ellis style. I mean, how does a guy who predicts a 4-0 start to the season say we're losing to the Kings? Oh, I'm going to give it to you so hard. So please follow me on Ollie Cosell on Twitter as I give it to Preston as soon as the Pelicans beat up on the Kings. Because he's hey, Ollie, speak- I cannot believe he made that prediction. Cannot believe it. Speak- speaking of that, we, we had our argument on Twitter, Ollie, about um, the Trailblazers. <laughs> Can we at least agree – if if Anthony Davis doesn't go down, it's a different story. Yeah, man. That was a lot more positive because let's face it, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, they started off like two and sixteen. They were four and twenty after three quarters. That was unbelievable. There was a golden opportunity missed for sure. And we've definitely seen Anthony Davis have these have these scares and then appear in the next matchup. So still holding out hope. Adrian Wojnarowski has him as day to day. So we're still saying that there's a chance that we see him in the Golden One Center tomorrow night. Uh, for now, thank you guys so much. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. This is Ali Cosell, and this is Trevor Ritchie. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Let's go, pals. Thanks for listening to the Bird Rights on Nothing But Net Network here on Dash Radio. Now, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching the Bird Rights NBA Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Bird Rights for all the latest and best coverage on your pals. And if you really like the show and you want to show us even more love, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Your help has gotten us to more than 35,000 downloads at this point. A feature on Blog Talk Radio on the main page and a spot here on Dash Radio's new basketball concentrated network. And as always, if you have any questions, direct them to at Preston Ellis and we'll answer them by the next show. Let's go, pals!
say Metro by T-Mobile got the best deal in wireless and it's all for you all for me just switch quickly cause Metro has two lines for 80 and two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free plus Amazon Prime included that's the way wireless should be only at Metro plus sales tax and activation fee $50 plus rate plan required not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile network or on Metro in past 90 days offer subject to change offer valid for new Amazon Prime members Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value restrictions apply see store for details and terms and conditions Geico presents uh, yet another voicemail from your roommate hi so about the kitchen turns out when there's a grease fire you're not supposed to throw water on it (laughs) who would have known right anyways the fire department is here and it's totally cool give me a call back when you get a chance the geico insurance agency could help keep your personal property protected like if danger is your roommate's middle name visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance